that's Davi the Scapegoat. We're talking to Thomas Ryan Lawrence from Q Plus Equality. Having such a blast. Always. We're answering listener questions today. Thomas has told us about the unhealthy workplace family paradox. And we've discussed that many times on this show before. (laughs) And how it's time to start treating your employees like your clients. Like you want to keep them, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe treat them like your clients. And you can find more about Q Plus Equality by going to qplusequality.org. That's correct. And Plus is spelled out, qplusequality.org. There's even a donate button if you're feeling extra kind today because every little bit helps an organization like this to help some people get into the workforce in their most comfortable and confident being. Yep. So I've got some emails for Thomas to help me go over today that are straight from you guys. Davi the Scapegoat listeners, the DTSG GOAT community. You guys have been emailing us because everybody's dealing with weird shit at work. And we need some help, right, to get through all of this. We don't know how to do it, so we're going to do it together. Thomas is our... HR bestie, that's what I call you. Love it. <laughs> the, the goat of HR, yes. if you will. And how long did you work in HR? Well, so I'm somewhat of a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the foundation is the fourth business that I've launched. I really got into HR when one of my for-profit companies, Gaberhood, which is kind of like Yelp for the gay community, mm-hmm. um, when we were growing and went from you know five employees to just over 100 in like 16 months, um, that's where I cut my teeth in HR. So I've been doing HR professionally now for about 12 years. Okay. Um, got my certification four years ago, four or five years ago, because it was you know something to do. Yeah. Uh, like I hired an HR consultant at Gaberhood and found myself correcting her quite often. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. I might as well get certified. Yeah, no, I'm really the DL 800 does have to be mailed within three days um, in Georgia. And she was like, wow, you, you really know yourself. You should sit for your certification. Mm. So I did. Oh, fun story about that DL 800. Yeah. You taught me about that. I okay, did. like yep. right after I had been let go from a job and you said, did you get your DL 800? And I said, what are you saying to me? Like, what is, what is, it sounds like a spaceship. Do you want more of what's missing from this interview? Of course you do. That's why you need to join the fan club or subscribe to Davi the Scapegoat Plus. You get monthly exclusive content from Davi the Scapegoat and cool perks. Go to DaviCrimmins.com for more information or just search Davi the Scapegoat Plus wherever you're listening to your new favorite podcast. I learned so much from my HR bestie, Thomas Ryan Lawrence. <laughs> and I'm that, here for. that was one of the things. And I don't know, maybe that'll be members only content or something. It's yeah. just a little juicy thing that we've never brought up on the podcast, but I've always been fascinated by and it's always going to be like the 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 DOL 800. It's the one who got away from me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's giving love of my life. It's giving I'd have so many answers, but I'm never going to see her again and it's fine. Yeah. So, Thomas Ryan Lawrence from Q Plus Equality, we are here to answer some of your listener questions and just answer some of my own that I've been asking people on the podcast lately. What advice would you offer a target of workplace bullying and why? Ooh. That's a tough one. Um, So first and foremost, you know, whether it's in a workplace, out of the workplace, I mean, you basically, you deal with a bully the same way, regardless of where they are. Mm -hmm. So you need to stand up for yourself, because if you don't, the behavior is going to continue. To them or to management or both? Um, It would depend on the bullying situation. I always... 
I'm a big proponent of going to the source mm -hmm. first. So I always would try to start with that individual. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes I know it like sounds weird, but sometimes people yeah. don't understand how their actions are making you feel. Like you could feel bullied, but they don't see what they're doing as being a bully. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not that bright mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know, you're, you're treating me poorly um, and it needs to stop. So I always give people a chance to, you know, for me to say this behavior is unacceptable and it needs to stop. And then from there, if it doesn't, then we can escalate and take other steps. So that's when you could either go to a manager, you could go to HR. Unfortunately, a lot of the times with workplace bullying, it is someone in a leadership role mm -hmm. that's often doing the bullying. So that makes yeah. it a little more complicated. Um, obviously, don't ever get physical. No. Like, just absolutely don't get physical. And also, when you're bringing up the bullying, just stick to this is what was said, this is what happened. You don't need to say, and this is how I feel about it, right? Like, bringing your feelings into it. it um, for me, personally, every time I was like, this is what happened, and this is how I feel about it, it was like, all they did was focus on my feelings yep. and not on the behavior. So then they were like, don't you think, like, me? you kind of sound depressed. And I'm like, you kind of sound like you're not a doctor to be diagnosing anyone. Right. And then it turned into, well, everybody here is in therapy to deal with this workplace culture. Do you think maybe you should see a therapist? And I'm like, I think maybe no, we should change the culture. <laughs> I think you should go with me down the hall to have a talk with this fucking nerd, like this fucking asshole that, and everybody, and then it turns into, well, don't poke the bear. We have a bear in the office. Yeah. Okay. And when is he going to hibernate? Fucking never. He's just an asshole all year long. Yeah. He's just awake and biting all year long. So leave your feelings out of it. Yeah. If, if you're at the point where you're talking to HR and here's why, well, and before we get to that, a very important thing is, you know, someone who is a victim of constant bullying, um, it takes a toll on your self-confidence. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is you need to surround yourself with positive people that understand your worth and your value and do whatever personal work you need to do, whether that's you know journaling, meditating, going to the gym, uh, therapy, whatever it is, so that you don't allow these interactions to permanently damage mm. your self-worth. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. But then from there, yeah, if you're talking to HR, I am a huge proponent, and we've talked about this before, I'm a huge proponent of facts, mm -hmm. documentation, yes. and follow-up. So if someone is bullying you in the workplace and it is ongoing – that creates what is known in the HR world as a hostile work environment. That is illegal. Now, I always remind people I'm not an employment law attorney. I'm not any kind of attorney. I do have my HR credentials, um, but I'm, nothing I say is considered legal advice. <laughs> and if it were me, I would go to HR. I would tell them what's going on. I would be specific. Then I would go back to when I'm off the clock to my personal email, and I would send an email to HR um, recapping that conversation, mm -hmm. right? You can send it from your work email if you want, but if you do that, make sure you copy your personal email. Yeah, just blind, in case blind they, copy. Or, you can blind copy, or, you can copy, it doesn't yeah. matter. As long as you have a copy of that mm -hmm. showing that, you know, the date and time that it was sent. Yeah. Um, 
because what you want to do is you want to notify your employer in writing that this is a problem mm-hmm. and give them an opportunity to fix it. Yes. Right? And if they don't do that. you have those dates. Yep. And... Got to have those dates. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to give them 60 days to fix it. This mm-hmm. is not something deep. I would give them at most four or five working days. And if it's still going on, at that point, you just go into your email, reply all, and say, I wanted to follow up on this. The behavior has not changed. Mm-hmm. This is where you can get into how it's affecting you, right? Without getting too much into your feelings, you do want to set the standard of, you know, I came to you a week ago. I let you know this was going on. The behavior hasn't changed. It's affecting my job performance. It's distracting me from meeting my stated goals. Mm -hmm. It is causing me anxiety and depression. It's not allowing me to service our clients to the best of my abilities. So with all of that, what you're doing is you're saying – what you really want to highlight here is how them refusing to address the situation is affecting the organization. Okay. And what you bring to the table for the organization. So not just your feelings not are just hurt, your feelings but your are clients hurt. are hurt. Your right. yes. job performance. But if it is causing you anxiety or depression that was not there before mm-hmm. the bullying took place, that is something to document and mm. make note of. Right? Because at this point... Their lack of action is affecting your mental health, and that's bad. I could get into a lot more detail, but we'll keep it simple. That's bad. And then from there, if it continues, I would follow up one more time and just say, look, I've given you two opportunities. I am not a litigious person. I don't want to have to go out and find someone and get advice on how to handle a toxic workplace or a hostile workplace, which is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you drop those phrases to an HR person, their ears are going to perk up and be like, oh, hell. This bitch listened to Thomas on Dobby's yeah. podcast. <laughs> Damn uh, it. <laughs> God, again, we've but been But it's had. important to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, a lot of times these situations can be dealt with in an amicable way. Um, either by going directly to the person, maybe having a sit down with HR. You know, what I'm talking about with going into the hostile workplace route is like, that's the last straw. And, you know, honestly, not everyone is mentally strong enough to go through that process. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to take care of yourself first. So if you have to leave that organization, if you have to resign and go somewhere else, Make sure you put in your resignation letter. That's why. That you are leaving because you have reported a hostile work environment being created by this employee. Put their name in there Mm -hmm. and say, and after several communications, the behavior has not changed. And for my own mental health, I have to leave. So that's our advice for the target of workplace bullying. Is defending your rights in the workplace important? If so, why? Yeah, I think I mean, we kind of hit that. Yeah. yeah, like without a doubt, it it is. But again, it's very important that you recognize this is a business. Yes. It's a business. Keep your feelings out of it. And, and not just that, I will say, make sure that if you are talking about your rights, um, <clears throat> that you're actually defending rights. Mm. Okay. So as someone in HR, and I follow a bunch of HR channels, there's always these jokes going on with HR professionals because we're so exhausted by the entitled, um, absent-minded employees Mm -hmm. 
that are like, so perfect example, it's the beginning of the year, open enrollment typically happens at the end of the year. As HR professionals, we send out, you know, seven different emails in a cadence saying, don't forget to elect your benefits. Don't forget to elect your benefits. Open enrollment deadline's coming up. Nobody listens. Make sure you get your benefits. (laughs) And then two weeks later, an employee comes shouting about, you know, it's my right to have health care. Okay, Bob, did you elect your benefits during open enrollment? Well, no, I forgot. Well, baby, that's not my problem. Yeah. You know. You had a deadline and you got many emails from us. Yep. Like, your lack of planning is not an emergency on our part now, yes. you know? And I, it's so funny. The things that I've had to research to defend myself against, quote, rights. Mm. Um, I had an office off of Northside Drive for like five years. Um you know, decent size office, like 5,000 square feet. And it was just, since the day we moved in, we never had hot water. Like, there was no hot water heater. We didn't have a kitchen. We had, a, like, a little kitchenette. But, like, in the bathroom, there was no hot water. So you're just washing that cold water? Yeah. I mean, hands. it was lukewarm. Yeah. It wasn't freezing. Okay. But, you know, we provided soap and paper towels and Lysol, and especially around, you know, cold and flu season because we had a call center. Um, so we would encourage healthy habits. And there was this employee, I could tell, I could tell he was trying to set me up (laughs) to like be out of work and get paid and everything. And he tried to say that the fact that we did not have hot water, the hot water wasn't working, um, was a violation of his rights in the workplace. And it's causing him to get sick and miss work and use his PTO. And I'm like, well, that just doesn't sound right because otherwise there would be a hot water heater in every place yeah and also know. like maybe you're just not washing your hands very well right like, <laughs> so i had to sing actually, the happy birthday song twice <laughs> as an hr professional my butt is on the cdc website figuring out exactly what is needed to safely sanitize your hands mm-hmm. and it is and like, i don't think you need hot water you need soap and you need water soap and water and you need a sufficient amount of scrubbing water. so yes. a lot of it is 20 user seconds error. yeah 20 seconds sing the happy birthday song but, like, like marilyn monroe slow it down was i was so mad that I was taking time out of my day to, one, do that research. But now, hey, look, interesting podcast content. (laughs) Um, Thank you, CDC. It is my right to hot water. Yes. I want to take it back. You don't have a right to hot water. But yes, (laughs) defending your rights in the workplace is absolutely crucial. And make sure that what you're trying to defend is actually a right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to look them up. Yep. You got to look them up. How does this harm you? If you're questioning, is this something I should be complaining about? The question may be no. Yeah. But just remember, you deserve to be valued. You deserve to be respected. Mm -hmm. Like me not having hot water in a building is in no way intentionally disrespecting anyone. No. It's an old building. (laughs) If you had a building that had an accessibility problem. Absolutely. And there was no ramp for one of your employees to get into work. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a huge, that's a violation of rights right there. Yep. Absolutely. So that's an easy one. 100%. But, But hot water for your little hands. For your little wee hands, Bob. Like, you can <laughs> wet a paper towel and toss it in the microwave. That's right. <laughs> That's so the best many I can do for you. For you. <laughs> All right. Why do you think adults still bully? Because they're damaged mm-hmm. and they haven't taken the time to work on themselves. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, there's something going on, there's something in their past where they were hurt or done wrong, or traumatized even, and they haven't dealt with that experience. Mm. And again, a lot of, you know, 
um, behavior comes from our subconscious. And I always tell people, and particularly childhood upbringing, yeah, and childhood upbringing, all that stuff you held on to, and and that's fine. And I always tell people because of the work that I do, you know, and have done for years. One of the challenges I always face is, oh, well, you know, Ruth in the office has been here for thirty years, and she's super Catholic. I'm like, great, good for Ruth. I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic, but I love Jesus. And I'm not here to change your beliefs. Mm. I'm here to make sure that your behavior in the workplace is respectful of all people. Yes. So I think that, you know, adults still bully because, you know, I think they have issues they haven't dealt with. And I think people also let them get away with it. Yes. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. People roll their eyes at the term bullying. They do. They're like, oh, we're adults. We don't use that word anymore. Bullying is for children, and you get over it, and you learn that life isn't fair, and then you grow up, and you go into the workplace, and you start acting like a dick there, and everybody just thinks, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't roll your eyes at that term, because, yeah, it happens It happens in way more nefarious, violent ways as yeah. you grow up. Sometimes it is truly damaging, weird behavior, and you are left as an adult going, I... uh I, f- I feel violated and mm-hmm. also invalidated when I bring it up because I'm an adult and I'm not allowed to talk about these things. Yep. Like bullying is not a real problem for adults, it's, but it is. It's weird. I was listening to a comedian. I can't remember who it was recently. And they were talking about in schools nowadays, in some schools, they've stopped using the word bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly because what was happening was it was being unproportionally um, assigned to girls as opposed to boys. So you could take the same action and have a boy do it and have a girl do it. And a teacher unconsciously would say, oh, that young boy's going to be a leader one day. Yep. He's going to be a CEO. Look at his leadership skills. Yep. And the girl would do close to or if not the exact same action. And it's she's called a bully. Mm-hmm. So um, I've actually seen in schools where they've started. I can't remember. It was a comedian talking about someone who wrote a book. It may have been Ali Wong and talking about the the – Former, I think, COO of Facebook that wrote that book, Lean In. Mm, Uh, I think. Don't quote me on that. But um, it's an interesting thing to see how behavior, you know, just like we were talking about earlier with men versus women, particularly women of color Mm -hmm. in a conference room. If I raise my voice, I'm passionate about something. And if a black woman raises her voice, she's emotional and angry. And a problem. And a problem. Yes. Yeah. I can guarantee you right now I can be more emotional and angry than any black woman out <laughs> there. Like, I'm just give me an it. opportunity. Just give me. Just say something wrong. I'm <laughs> right. ready for it. I mean, yeah, I think obviously being a late in the game diagnosed ADHD, it's like, oh, well, you this all these issues and these like reports home and these things that the teachers wrote down about you, 
uh, they were saying those things about the boys too, but it was in a different way. Yep. So the, they're like, so for boys, young boys with ADHD, they get diagnosed faster because their issues are more outwardly and problematic to the people around them. So boys mm-hmm. are more interrupting, outward, loud. And some people would go, he's going to be a little leader someday. Look at what a little boss he is. And some people go, this is a problem for the other students. He's interrupting the learning process of all the people in this classroom. Let's get him medicated. Whereas the girls turn it inward. So boys are, I'm projecting this every which way to whoever will hear it. And then girls are tending to self-harm and do things inward. And that is quiet and that gets lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. And that kid in the family is usually the one that's like, I'm just a bother to everyone. I'm not going to ask for help. Women deal with a lot of that stuff. So I sat there going, I thought I was this asshole with a learning disability and all these things. But it's just that the world was not really focused or catered to me. And I'm not saying cater to women. I'm not saying cater to any one person. I'm just saying obviously it's it's catered towards boys in a way that makes it very difficult for other people to get medical treatment that they need or a defense or a support system that they need. So in the workplace, you're not going to get that support system that you need because people are like, oh, she's saying somebody's bullying her again. And it's like, if you said everybody was bullying you, that's one thing. If you said this one person, this one person's a problem and they know that he is and they know that this person or she has had problems with other people or maybe they've admitted that they've always had problems in the workplace and every job they've had people have been in their business and starting shit with them and people say the quiet parts out loud why aren't we just taking that as face value and like yeah no doing and look i think it's it. really interesting too because um and just to get personal for a minute so we've dealt with this as parents um so one my, my son just turned 10 our son just turned 10 um and you know he, one, has a vestibular processing disorder, which is, long story short, it's an ear thing. Hmm. Um, so we started off with occupational therapy. But he was also diagnosed with ADHD at a young age. Mm-hmm. We weren't completely behind the diagnosis because I'm like, the symptoms are so overlapping between ADHD and a vestibular processing disorder. True. That we're like, I know how difficult it was. I, look, I'm proudly on Zoloft. Um, love my anxiety medication. And I know how hard it was for me to find the right mix. Mm-hmm. So we did. We wanted to delay medicating him as long as we could. And you get second opinions, sometimes third. Yep, and yeah. we did. We yeah. had multiple opinions. Um, and it wasn't until you know he really got into school this year, he's in fourth grade now, that it really started to become that where he is disrupting the rest of the class. And we're having conversations with him trying to drill down. And it does present differently in young boys than it does young girls. Mm -hmm. But the thing to remember when you're in the workplace is we aren't kids. Mm -mm. Like, it's just baffling to even try to say that. But. We're a bunch of unhealed children <laughs> yes, inside. That, yes, but that's true. But on the outside, like, you kind of got to keep it together. You do. <laughs> you do. And, you know, for Noah, you know, we made the decision as a family that we were going to explore medication. Um, and, you know, we were really nervous about it. But I will say we found this awesome, oh, 
again, Google, thank you. Um, <laughs> we found they now have DNA tests that you can do. It's just a swab in the cheek, thank God, um, That and then you send it off and you get this whole report that based on your genetic makeup, what drugs, oh. either from anxiety medication, pain medication, ADHD medication, it is a 35-page report Okay. that says, okay, these drugs are like total green lights. Okay. You should just have to worry about the standard side effects. These are yellow. You need to be more concerned because of, and then it gets into a whole bunch of like technical stuff. And then like these are red. Like you don't need to take these medicines. Oh, They're that's not going to work. Brilliant. It's amazing. So well, we went from, you know, there are I think seven or eight ADHD medications that they typically give kids. Mm-hmm. Some are stimulants, some are not stimulants. Mm-hmm. And we only had three that were greenlit. Oh, wow. So we immediately okay. got to cross four off the list without even trying it. Um, Which a lot of times, that's the thing, is like you you go, okay, we got a diagnosis. Everything's going to be great now. No, no, now we have to figure out how to treat it. N- no, <laughs> now you just take a pill every day for six months, and then you come back, if if not at least six months, if not sooner, because your life is in turmoil or worse than it was. Like, they'll be like, oh, you got ADHD? Let me throw a stimulant at it. And that might not work for you. Well, and the thing I love about it, too, for him, because, you know, our son is adopted. Uh, We did an open adoption. We have an amazing relationship with his birth mother and his birth sister. But we have zero contact with his birth father. Okay. So while we have, you know, complete medical history for one side, the second half is completely blank and missing. Totally missing. So it was really helpful for us because we don't know if there's, you know, a history on that side of the family of ADHD or any other you know, mental stuff. But this is a report that won't change for him. I mean, the mm-hmm. only thing that will change is obviously new drugs will be released into the marketplace. But he will have this for the rest of his life. And looking at, you know, pain, it, again, pain medication, opioids, benzos, the, the whole nine yards. And it's just like, I kind of want to do it on myself yeah. <laughs> to see if, like, just how accurate it is. Because I know what I've tried and yeah. I know it didn't work. Yeah. Um. But, you know, it's like 300 bucks, and I'm not just throwing $300 around yeah. like a baller. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a, a, it's an expensive test, but the the testing medically is way more expensive. Yeah. I, it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars to get diagnosed for ADHD. After that, you start going to different doctors to for them to give you a prescription, see if it's working. Yep. See if it's working, give you another prescription. Is this working yet? And what's, you know, so frustrating is like, I at my last job, I was like, I got this bomb ass health insurance, I'm gonna use it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out, I figured out, I got acid reflux, I figured out, I got endometriosis, I figured out, I got these things. And then I went, moved on to the brain. I figured out, I got ADHD. I figured out, I need this kind of medication to take care of me and keep me focused. And through all of that, there were other medications thrown at me that did not work, that did have side effects, whether it be super dry eyes or dry mouth or caused depression mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be anti-anxiety. So there's things yeah. that you're going through and you're showing up for work every day and you have to put on a happy face yeah. and you have to go through all of these changes and turmoil 
and still make a living so you can afford those tests and medications. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I just basically became like a little medical guinea pig for the last year and a half. And then I got fired. And so I sit there going. Oh, that's probably why. You use the health insurance too much. (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Which is a great segue into (laughs) our next question. Yeah. We got a letter from a listener and she's dealing with having disabilities, illness, publicly, at work, and how to deal. Cherie says, I have worked for a company for 12 plus years. They moved me to part-time, so they wouldn't have me on the insurance due to my genetic disorder. Is this legal or typical? I have not been able to find another job because of said genetic disorder and lack of college degree. I have an ability to learn, and I am willing to learn. And most places won't even give my resume or me a second look because there's no college degree on my resume. Any help would be great. Thank you, Sharice. All right, Sharice. So um, the short answer to your question is no, it's not legal. And it's definitely not typical. I do have questions because the first thing that pops in my head is... Why do you believe that they moved you to part-time just so that you wouldn't be on the insurance? Yeah, like, did they actually say that? And can you get it in writing? Right, exactly, (laughs) right? Yes. If if they said it and you have it in writing, um, that would be good. Um, So there is something called GINA, which is the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act of 2008. So under Title II of GINA, it is illegal to discriminate against employees because of genetic information. Mm. This covers people in um, hiring, demotions, hours, advancement, like the whole nine yards. So just like anything else um, with the EEOC, you would, as long as your employer has 15 or more employees, Mm -hmm. they are bound to adhere to GINA. Um, you have 180 days from the date of the last incident to file a charge, but in some states it could be extended based on state law. Um, so I would recommend that if you have any documented proof, then I would either go to the EEOC directly and file a claim. You can try to go to an employment law attorney if you'd like or find someone um, – with an HR certification that may be able to help you with filing a charge. Now, the I, your statement of I haven't been able to find another job because of said genetic disorder and a lack of a college degree, um, again, under Gina, it would be illegal for someone to not hire you because of your genetic disorder. You're not required to disclose it in an interview, so I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. If... Um, your job require if like you're getting a new job and they require a physical or something like that or statements from your doctor about your health for something. There's also a Gina waiver that your physician is supposed to send over that says, you know, we have tried to supply just the information required. If we've accidentally included anything that is illegal under Gina, you're not allowed to use it in an employment decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you. Again, I, we have very little details to go on here. Yeah, and a lot of it is speculative. Like you, yeah. she's yeah. So unless you, unless they wrote you and was like, "Sorry, we got to kick you down to part time because you're you're 
genetic stuff is just too is too expensive. We can't deal. Right. Like, then you then you CC that to your personal email. Exactly. And uh, maybe Absolutely. find yourself an employment attorney. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know what line of work you're in. This is another one of those where I'd love to have more information. Um, but I will say this. And I know other people um, that have this mentality that not having a college degree being this huge barrier to entry in the workforce. And there has been a shift in HR and talent acquisition and recruiting over the last several years where experience is just as valuable Mm -hmm. as a college degree. I mean – If we're being honest, I graduated college in 2001 with a degree in marketing. Nothing that organizations use today to market themselves existed when I got my marketing degree. Hmm. There was no Facebook. There was no TikTok. There was no social media. There were, you know, barely pay-per-click ads on the internet. Yeah. You know, we had TV ads and billboards. And how many companies do you see still doing those? Mm -hmm. Only really large corporations. Um, So I say that to simply say, don't let the lack of a college degree um, diminish your confidence. Mm -hmm. And if you have um, specific proof of this discrimination based on your genetic disorder, you know, Reach out to Davi again so that she can pass it along to me. I, I want to hear. I'd, the I'd be happy to have a conversation with you offline. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've heard a lot of hiring managers say we don't even look at the education. We look at the we look at what programs, the mm-hmm. skill set and proficiency in the programs that oh we use that we use that we use that and show, so do so do they. Uh, they look at your work history. So a lot of people are like, when you're making your resume, bury your education in the back because they don't even care about that anymore. Right. Uh, they are usually just looking at your proficiency in this in the programs and uh, devices that they use to go, oh, they're going to acclimate here really well. Or they're just looking at where you've worked before or your references, like the, the education. And especially as old as we're getting, it's not that important anymore. It's not. And I will say the fact that you've been at a company for 12 years plus, to me, if I was reviewing your resume, I'm calling you just based on that. Yeah. Because nowadays you don't see that kind – you don't often see that level of employee loyalty. Yeah. Um, what we see is if someone's not learning, they're leaving, which is not a bad thing. I'm yeah. not dissing the younger generation for having a shorter tenure because they are more interested in learning new skills. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And if you if you don't have anybody that like you feel like is a mentor or a role model and you're like, this ain't the vibe, then fucking leave. Like right. It doesn't have to be toxic. It can just be like, oh, there's no growth here. And that boss doesn't see me being someone to grow with, so I'm out. And yep. it can be as easy as that. Um, you said if your genetic disorder doesn't come up in the interview. So let's say uh, she can walk in and sit down and she's landed the interview. At what point do you bring up possible accommodations that you might need for a disorder or an illness or disability that you may have. Don't bring it up in the interview, but maybe once you have the job. I wouldn't bring it up in the interview. Um, In today's competitive landscape and just the fact that not everyone follows the rules, Mm -hmm. why give them an opportunity to say no to you for something that they could, quote, find another excuse for? Right. This is part of standing up for yourself. There's no reason to disclose a a disability or a disorder that requires an accommodation in an interview. 
I wouldn't do it until I have, not even when I get the offer letter, I would do it after I have like legally started employment, Been after there. onboarding. Yeah. Because there's a couple things, right? You need to assess the culture and the situation before you can know if you're going to require an accommodation. Yeah, what if they already do those things? Exactly. And it's this is the best place for me. This exactly. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't ask for it in advance. Other people may disagree with that. That's fine. It's just an opinion. Um, but also keep in mind that under the law, an organization is only required to provide a, quote, reasonable accommodation if it would not be a major detriment to the business. Okay. So that's something that you have to look at as well. Um so just be mindful of that. Like, you can't ask for a helipad because <laughs> I, I can't even think of a reason that you could try to justify that. But it's the only example I can come up with. I right need now. it. I just exactly. need it. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> well, right. Like, that's – well, I work on the top floor mm-hmm. and I have, you know, whatever the fear of elevators and stairwells would be, mm-hmm. right? So I'm requesting a helipad to – accommodate my mental disorder. My, my elephobia. Right, yeah. yeah. My elephobia and stairway phobia. <laughs> um, and, like, you have to structurally prepare the building for a helicopter to land at. Any organization would look at that and be like, that is not a reasonable accommodation. Wow. <laughs> a reasonable accommodation would be, hey, you assigned me to the fifth floor office. I have a fear of elevators and stairwells. I'm requesting a reasonable accommodation. Great. Your accommodation is we moved your office to the first floor. Okay. Right? Yeah. So let's just keep in mind reasonable. Yes. (laughs) Reasonable and, you know, maybe hold on to some information. Because if you nailed the interview, like, let that breathe. Yep. Let that breathe for a little bit. Yeah. You don't have to share everything. Yeah. And until you get into the, um, the workforce and you're in the building and you're like, I can't breathe in here because... Everyone's smoking or something, and you have a terrible allergy, or so, like then you can ask. Well, that's for an a whole other problem. We haven't yeah. been allowed to smoke we, in offices. I know. In a long time. How crazy would that be if it was a tiny like family company and everybody's just chain smoking? And you're like, oh, I fucked up. I chose the wrong place on Indeed.com today. Oh okay. my god, that was my company years ago. <laughs> what? I was, really? I was the one smoking. Oh no! <laughs> years. I was in my twenties, and we were a small company. And I won't get into too many details, but there was one day I was smoking in my office and my assistant walked in and she, I forget the guy's name. I really liked him, but um, we'll call him Phil. She was like, Phil from the Department of Labor is here. I was like, you like, fuck it. No. I'm like, get the Febreze. (laughs) There, honey, there wasn't enough Febreze or scented candles. You're like a Don Draper of (laughs) Indeed.com. You're like, that's so Mad Men of you to be smoking. Did you have like a scotch as well? No, I didn't. Such a hard Monday on the job. (laughs) It's a tough day for me. We're here with Thomas Ryan Lawrence from Q Plus Equality. Check out Q Plus, P-L-U-S, equality.org today, and you can donate to this amazing organization. And we are answering listener questions. Go to DaviCrimmins.com, click contact, and you can email me. Or just email me, DaviTheScapegoat at gmail.com. Put in your subject, hey, Thomas, because you want to talk to our HR bestie. You want to get some answers today about your toxic workplace. Twice, I follow you, don't try to 